right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. A thrilling week in professional golf, just buzzing from the excitement of the Honda Classic. Solly here, Neil Schuster is here. Good evening. Hi, man. Thanks for the coffee. You got it. We, we needed it after that. Strength of field rating is off the charts for this podcast. DJ Pi is here. Hey, happy to uh, happy to be here. Late addition to the pod, let's Brandon start, Hagee style. We're, we're coming in with so much flow. Let's let's play a quick little game. This may or may not be sponsor supported, so I'll skip skip the first part of the question because it would be nearly impossible to get wrong. But that first part is what putter brand has ranked first in usage across all tours since two thousand? Obviously, the answer to that is Odyssey. That's of, not of the course. question. That's not of the question course. I'm here to ask. Okay. But can anyone tell me? The percent usage, what the percent usage was for the most recent full year of measured reports for putters, for Odyssey. What's the percentage? Like how much, like market? Yeah. Tour share? Yeah. 65%. I was going to be in the 40% range. Neil may have seen the copy earlier, but 44.4%. I did, I, I did not. I actually deleted it from the agenda here to make sure. I know, I was scanning see. the agenda. Correct answer, 44.4%. That's, uh, that's the percent of putters in play across the global tours that were Odyssey putters. What's been very visible on tour this year is the White Hot OG line, featuring the original White Hot insert in a variety of the classic head shapes that have been refined with modern touches. There's the number one blade, the two ball, the Rossi, the seven, and the cult favorite, which is the number five. They're available Classic steel shaft or Odyssey's Stroke Lab shaft, which is lighter, stiffer, and more stable this year, promoting better tempo and consistency in your stroke. Take a look at the Odyssey White Hot OG putters at odysseygolf.com. Do you guys have an OG White Hot? Like, I, the, oh yeah, yeah. As a junior, which, oh, which yeah. one? Uh, I don't remember the name of it. I could pick it out of a lineup. Number four for me. Yeah, yeah. And Tron was number two. He played the number two forever. You, have, you didn't have one? I don't know if that's a good advertisement, because didn't he like, have for just like 40 putts around in high school? He's one of the notoriously no. worst putters in Georgia. <laughs> well, no, then he switched to the, the whatever that Scotty like Futura was. It's a big satellite yeah, dish. Yeah, that didn't go well <laughs> at all. So <laughs> I brought it home there. <laughs> Question it was really guys. expensive, though. Yeah. So he had that going for him. Question for you guys. For all golfers out there, can we all learn something from how Matt Jones hits a golf ball? I think that's absolutely how true. he hits it or how fast he hits it. Like that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. how he stands up and just pulls the trigger so quickly. Because I'm back and forth on this honestly, because he has it's such awesome. A, he has such incredible natural ability. Obviously, as a professional, would this be a horrible thing for amateurs, or would this be a great thing for everyone? Just stand up and hit it. I think it'd be an unbelievably great thing for amateurs. I, I think professionals are, you know, that's a different game we're talking about. But I, I always go back to. But they're good. You see what I'm getting that, at? Yeah, hundred percent. That, that's what I'm saying. I think that. But for amateurs, I think it just removes all the tension that builds up in your in your pre shot routine, right? I remember. Was that when we went down and, and did the putting thing with Brad Faxon that was going to be part of the U.S. Open doc? And he was talking a ton about even in putting, like making sure if you're going to do an athletic move, like imagine, you know. Don't stop from. Don't yeah, be a dead don't stop. don't yeah. don't take off from a dead stop. No one's no one stands, you know, with two feet flat on the floor when they're going to try to dunk a basketball. Right. You got to you got to try to be in flow. And he even said that with putting. And so I, I would extrapolate that out to the full swing for sure. I think that's when I'm swinging my best probably is when I'm doing the least over the ball and not looking like a statue ready for, okay, let's let's think about all these th swing thoughts. Yeah. Hopefully they all fire on time. Uh, like a so, pilot yeah. going through my log. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I feel like. Check, check. 
It as someone who loves fast play and fast players, it makes me uncomfortable watching him play golf. Like I know it's coming. I'm. I think I'm ready for it. But having be, my mind being so programmed watching golf, I'm surprised every time he pulls. I, time. It's true. I. It's jarring. Oh my God! He's oh he's hit it now. <laughs> Did he mean it? But he does take. He takes a a few seconds. He takes at least two practice swings behind the ball. But they're they're kind of those. You're so used to or so conditioned by other golfers taking those almost like pre warm up swings behind the ball, yes. and then they take you know then yeah. they do their whole like waggle waggle waggle, yeah. waggle thing, and he just doesn't have any of that. And it's like and there's no there's no even like weight shift thing. It's just like spread the you know like he he takes his stance and then he's back. It's unreal. Uh, and it's it's fun to watch. It's so awesome. it's almost like somebody hitting like uh, soft toss, like batting practice. Yeah. Just like somebody just lobbing a little ball, just boom, <laughs> yeah. boom, boom. Uh, and that's not I don't know. That's not the biggest takeaway from this week. The golf he played. Listen, is it exciting when somebody runs away and hides like that? Not really. It's not. It's not dramatic. But is it at the same time just like incredibly impressive to watch a total and complete? round of golf under the most pressure you can possibly have next to a guy who shot 79 in the final group, trying to close it out on shiny greens on a difficult golf course with trouble everywhere. Yes. Extreme hat tip to that. Matt Jones is, is kind of an interesting case. I, I came into today almost assuming in my head, like, man, this guy's been around forever. He must just be super solid, never loses his card. Uh, not really the case. You know, he's just kind of been like a very journeyman by definition almost, you know, I think he's, essentially been on tour he's played at least 17 events usually it's mostly between 23 and 30 since 2008 and only finished in the top 50 of the fedex cup like twice i mean he's always kind of right on that 126 127 95 uh just in and out of of the pga tour and bouncing back and forth between tours and it's just really i don't know it's it's really interesting if you're able to really get fired up about the margins and the guys who are just doing it every day, and the guys who are putting in professional efforts. Uh, I don't know if that's everybody, but you know, there's a small section of pro golf fans that that really love to root for those guys. And by all accounts, a great guy, great family. It's cool to uh, cool to see him break through. You know, seven years after the first one. I saw the highlights from when he won the Vivint Houston Open. You know, it's crazy the 2014 Vivint Houston Open, which their logo looked so much like shells. I know it's wild. It's wild. Um, so. I feel like we watch. I watch a lot of golf. We watch a lot of golf more than more than the average, you know, golfer out there. I, I don't know a thing until today about Matt Jones. Who? Yeah. <laughs> I, and I don't. Well, back mean that then, as, I don't back know. Then people didn't want him. I don't mean that as an insult. <laughs> now he's hot. I, I almost pose a question to you guys of like, it's tough when when it's too many guys to keep track of. Yeah, That's the answer. That, that is right. Like, it, but it's not an is there any way no. that whether it's the tour, like how, I don't know. It's just tough because it's like it, it hurts. It probably hurts the tour a little bit when somebody that nobody has any idea who this guy is, and they're they're like, you know, somebody get us the you know FedEx file on this guy quick, man. Like, what's you know, can we you know they they finally towards the end, it's like, oh, he won the uh, Aussie Open a couple times, and we got the pick with the shark, you know. So I don't, I just would love to know a little bit more about him, I guess. Uh, before I, but you're right, there's just too many guys, so yeah. I don't know, I don't really know where I'm going with that, but it's just it's almost like a bummer. It's like I kind of wish I kind of. I've seen his name on the leaderboard the last, I don't know, three months. Like this year, he's been playing well, and I still just haven't had a, any insight on him, I guess. I think this will feed very well into the larger conversation we're going to have around this event and PGA Tour events in general. And that it, it just comes down to the fact that the tour is structured around these 156-man field events and trying to get as many of those as possible. And like you're, you're going to have – like the, 
The, the depth of professional golf, we say it every single week, the depth is absolutely insane. Brandon Hagee was not in this event until Wednesday, and he shows up and finishes in second place. Like, that's how good the guys waiting to get in these events yeah. are. So, like, you're going to have time periods where even for somebody that watches as much golf as you do, where, like, the guy who wins or the guy that finishes second or the guy – do you know a lot about Chase Seifert? No, I don't. Not. I don't really either. Like, I know a lot about Hagee, though. He's a, a f- member of my Fred X Cup team. Uh, I said to Deej, he kind of got in early on some wireless IPOs, you know, posted a number early, and and, and that stock just skyrocketed for him. Like you that got might, in at sixty six. That would oh have been God, so, it's taken off since like then. what a thrill for him, just all day hanging out at the course, watching himself climb the leaderboard. It's that's great stuff. And shout out, just we might not get back to him, but always love the the bounce back rounds. You know, when he's playing great, and then seventy six yesterday, and to come back and. Do it on a Sunday. That's that's always fun to see. 66, yeah, on Sunday. Both he and Aaron Wise were in the final group on Saturday and just both kind of just kind of melted. They, Wise shot 75, he shot 76, and, yeah, came back and made himself a boatload of money. And, and, and of course, a lot of fattest cup points. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hagee got a, he got a half of Mackenzie Hughes this week. He did. On, on <laughs> the, the anniversary. 76, 66 on the weekend for Brandon Hagee. To not win. To not win. Second place. Um, I, I think the stuff that's – when you talk about kind of the no-name winners or no-name contenders and stuff, I mean, it's. I think you just got to point out the somewhat very obvious fact that you know two things can be true at the same time. One, these underdog stories are awesome for really, really, really hardcore fans. Even though I would put us in that bucket and would agree that I don't know a whole hell of a lot about Matt Jones either, but I think it's really great for them and their families, and they obviously are hardworking for decades and decades and decades, and they, they have an avenue where it finally pays off. That's awesome. And on the flip side, man, this would be a hell of a lot easier if it was 64 guys to yeah. keep track of every week rather than 250. Well, maybe that's – and maybe I should be looking in the mirror for us. Like maybe, a, you know, Matt Jones or would, some other guy. Would love to hear him on the podcast. Yeah, like yeah. get like work – maybe work the uh, 50 to 100 in the – and do a little research on who we think would be the most interesting guys in that that frame. Because I, I think that is, uh, like, I love learning about a guy that doesn't get a lot of press and yeah. then watching them break through. I guess, I think that's what I was getting at earlier. It's yeah. Like, man, I wish I, I feel yeah. like this guy's interesting. Like, like, we're talking about the way he hits the ball. Seems like he's been around a while. I bet he's got a great story. I just don't know anything about it. It's amazing still after years and years and years of doing this how often we still, like, come across people that are a total surprise in yeah. terms of, like, whoa, like, I know Jason Bone was really entertaining. Like, how right. did I follow golf for this long and not know it? And I don't know if Matt Jones is one of those guys or not. Seems like a great bloke, if you will. Top um, bloke. Top bloke. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a, it's just like, dude, I can only do so many of these pods. There's just so many of these dudes that, like, some, I don't know. You, I, it, I think what makes it kind of tough. The list. What makes it kind of tough, too, is when a guy like that doesn't have, like, one crazy off-the-charts skill. You know, like going back through sure. his his stats the last few years, because I'm trying to figure out, like, all right, well, how is this guy kind of just hung around in the margins of of pro golf for so long? And it's like nothing's flashy. Like he doesn't do anything crazy. He just, well, he plays really fast. Which <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so like, oh yeah, bring Matt Jones. He plays. You know, he keeps up the pace. But you know what I mean? It's not like he hits it 400 yards. Yeah. It's not like he makes every putt he looks at. He just kind of is like pretty solid through the book. And and so I think it's easy for guys like that. I mean, Cameron Champ obviously has won a couple times, but without those really hot weeks, I mean, you'd still know who Cameron Champ was just because he hits it so far. You know what I mean? Yeah, Whereas yeah. he's kind of mostly toiled in 
obscurity golf-wise for a year or so now. And, you know, like, but a huge takeaway from this week is just the consistent and crazy grind of pro golf that, like, 174 times he traveled to a tournament, teed yes. up and played and, like, <laughs> stayed six nights in a hotel and then traveled home and then traveled. 174 times he did it in between wins. Well, like, and I would add to that, I think there's an extra bit of interest for me. I, I find it fascinating, a journeyman from Australia, being so far from home, like I'm, I don't know if he lives in the U.S. anymore. I but think he has. Yeah, he Scott went to school at Arizona State. He lives in Scottsdale. Yeah. Well, okay, never mind then. I was gonna, <laughs> say, but I was gonna say like, so, but a, a guy that comes over from Australia and then kind of has to, you know, if you don't, if you don't make it, like, do you stay? Do you go back? Like, that's a whole other dynamic. I think that I find interesting. So, someone like this is totally random, but. Uh, fellow Australian Cameron Percy saw him at the players last year and like, yeah, this is his first players. I'm like, what? Isn't he like 43 or something like that? Like he's just been doing this forever and to not even make the players like you just must be so on the, on the margin. And that's maybe a better example of someone who's really one foot in one foot out kind of a vibe. Aaron Wise once held a six-shot lead on Saturday <laughs> afternoon, and he finished in a tie for 13th. Uh, looks like eight shots behind the eventual. So that's a do the quick math on that one. Somebody w- doesn't mind. That's 14 shots of, I think that's right. Or is that Azinger math? Something like that. He fell 14 shots from Saturday afternoon. Do you know how, ma- how many putts he had today? It, All of them. It was not that many. Honestly, his putting was actually very neutral for the day. It was a very bad four putt that he had. Yeah. Three putts from inside of four feet on, I forget which hole that was. Ten. On ten. Uh, that was tough to watch. And they they were ready with the graphic that showed the issues he had with putting at uh, TPC Scottsdale where he had a five putt and two four putts. That's not that's not a bad putting week. That's some yeah. demons that are that are going on there. Well, I said to Deej, it's like a, he's like a little bit of a Knobloch, Chuck Knobloch situation going on, which you hate to see. You hate to see, you know, if you find if he finds out like that's becoming a narrative, right? Like that's a self-fulfilling. But he putted great prophecy. this week is what I think they, yeah. they kind of hammered him a little yeah. on it. He was 20th in strokes game putting this week. But, but I, that's I'm with you. Yeah, my point is almost the narrative is worse than, yeah. than what, like you're saying, well, he's like, well, you know, the stats show that it's not even that bad, but like once someone picks up that up as a story, almost like the way Tron's been with more cops, but yeah. you know, like <laughs> what's worse, like the fact that everybody thinks you're a bad putter or being a bad putter. Yeah. I, it, I think you can have, you can be a bad putter and have really good putting weeks to sure. your point. Like it, it, Morikawa's overall putting stats are not great, but at concession, he putted fantastic. And Wise had a good putting week, still had a bit of an issue. They did a great job, though, of showing the, uh, I guess, uh, talking about and explaining the green surfaces and how that was going to lead to some issues coming down the stretch and how Matt Jones told Bones in the middle of the round, like, yeah, these greens are getting pretty dicey. Like, it's just kind of gliding on top of them. And they they, they were all over it, too, of like, man, I would not tell that to a broadcaster in the middle of a round. like. I, and I think learning what I've learned about like mental golf, the last thing you should do is like hammer in negative thoughts like that. Say that out loud of like, never stand on a tee and be like, oh, I always hit it left on this hole. Sure. Never stay there and be like, oh, I can never par this hole, blah, blah, blah. And Matt Jones in the middle of the round says like, yeah, these greens are getting a little dicey for him. And then he, on cue, he missed like a three foot putt, but yeah. didn't really bother him too much. Yeah. How about that quote coming from the guy who went on to win by five? Like, <laughs> it's, it's, you know. Kudos to, to Matt Jones. The the wise putting stuff is, I mean, it's very real. Like it's, you know, it, it's not a, this is just a narrative. He was, I think, 132nd in putting in 19, 171st last year. And he's just, a, again, like a very weird career where he seems almost like a, a very, very, very uh, off-brand version of Hideki, right? Where it's like, yeah, weeks where he makes putts, he he's going to be up there because... <laughs> 
it's think, that bad when he when he doesn't. You know what I mean? I think he stands over putts and thinks about that moment when he won at AT and T and tried to kiss his girlfriend <laughs> or whatever, and she wouldn't kiss him. Like I think he, that, that has to be what happened. It was I the most that. oh, it was the most awkward oh, moment like, ever. It was tough. It yeah. was it was just like. It was extremely. Sally's <laughs> so, so so created a new narrative. The, mo- <laughs> the most cringy post round celebration I can recall. And I, I think that's what he thinks about when he stands over putts. That's what's so interesting about, you know, the number of guys that we're trying to keep track of here. It's yeah. like Aaron Wise was, I don't know if he won the individual NCAA championship or he, I think he was at least on the team that won, won right? Yeah. And, you know, tremendously accomplished player, a winner, all these different things. It sounds like he has kind of a cool backstory. And, Hundred percent, Sally. The one thing that, if I was the broadcaster, the one thing that's like him and you know the equivalent of he's actually really good buddies with Jordan Spieth uh, was. Oh yeah, remember when he tried to kiss his girlfriend? (laughs) (laughs) She totally rejected it. Uh, Yeah, there's just you've only got room in your brain for for one or two things about a lot of these guys. So careful what you wish for about one. You know these guys (laughs) wanting to know uh, have you know more about them. Uh, Make sure it's a good one. Well, I, I, maybe Aaron Wise wants to rewrite the narrative a little bit. Yeah. Open invite. Come on, let's talk about it. <laughs> Somebody tweeted on Saturday, like Aaron Wise and his girlfriend, a gif of like two people kissing, like Aaron Wise and his girlfriend practicing kissing for the celebration tomorrow. <laughs> Made me laugh. JB, he, he kind of had like, Aaron Wise had two or three Icaritos in this tournament. Because I've, I've flipped it on Saturday and yeah, I mean, he was up by six. Uh, flipped it back. He's, he's trailing by four. Did you call this the Icarito Invitational? <laughs> just with like, she just saw balls fly. Like, and they had, I will give the shout out to the tournament. Whoever, or the, the or balls the, of the water counter. The, that and the, just, they mic'd the up microphone. the water. Oh, God, it was awesome. Just, I mean, just sound effects of, of, of balls getting, you know, splashing. It was awesome. They should just change it to a flood, a toilet. Like I turned, set. I turned on golf channel this morning. And first thing I see is Phil like, you know, rope, I guess, yeah, rope hook one. I don't know what hole he was on, but it was like into the reeds. It was like, you know, it was a Moses ball. <laughs> but it's still set, like the 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 sound of the splash was outrageous. I was that's like, is great. that real? There's no way that's real. I always love doing this. Aaron, on the back nine this week, Aaron Wise did not shoot 32, or sorry, did not shoot 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, or 38. He did shoot 31, 32, 39, 41, which is sick. That's Hell tough. Yeah. How about the announcement? The NBC was all over JB Holmes today, and it didn't. JB didn't stick out today, especially on slow play, on slow play. But Bones got on him at one point. And he was called deliberate, which we've established. You're only deliberate if you're playing well. You're just slow if you're if you're if you're <laughs> sure. taking a long time and not playing well. Uh, Bones got on him for like yeah, for as long as they were waiting for, on the green for these guys to clear. I can't believe he hasn't pulled a club yet. And it seems like they were almost went out of their way to get after him on the pace of play stuff, which makes me want makes me think that there's a lot of chatter out there. Yeah, players. the reputation. You know, precedes him. Yeah. Right. And and what a what a juxtaposition playing with Matt Jones. Yeah. Somebody somebody make a guess at JB Holmes' world ranking. He's been off. Uh, he's been in the wilderness for since basically since Riv. Right? Don't look at my. No, screen. I'm not looking. Yeah. I I I would definitely say it's in the hundreds. Three oh seven. Holy shit. That's about two hundred higher than I would have guessed. Yeah. Well, yeah. It sounds like he's had some injuries. That's what they. Yeah. Said which I that. totally missed. You know. Again. There's just so much to keep track of, and so many players and stuff. It's, I don't, I don't envy the broadcast for trying to keep track of all that stuff because there's, you know, we get on them for, for missing stuff or or being repetitive on stuff. But I mean, there is a lot of guys to keep track of, and so yeah, the whole shoulder surgery or I don't know if he had surgery or just an injury, but can't practice, can't play. You just you get laughed. So a couple things on I have on JB Holmes. One, I want to give Faraday a shout out because he had a great line. He said it's always 
you always want to shoot nine over on a par 70, <laughs> yeah, which great. really spoke to me. I feel that. <laughs> As deeply. somebody who shot seven and eight over on yeah. a par 70 this week. I really, I really feel that. You know, it's like, God, keep it in the 70s. Hell yes. You know, nobody <laughs> needs to know. Nobody needs to know it was a par 70. Uh, and then I, you know, I, I, I struggle to watch J.B. Holmes, less the pace of play stuff, but his, like personally, like his swing and his, the way he hits the ball is like, it's almost like me looking in the mirror sometimes where you're like, man, I hope like, God, I know that's probably what my, like, it doesn't look good. And I feel like that's how I kind of hit the ball, you know, like the swipey, swipey. Yeah. And it's like, but then also like credit to him, like he, you know, when he's playing well, like that's a very controlled golf ball. You know, he's like, he doesn't care how it looks. It's a heavy golf ball when he's playing well. When he's playing well, it's like, he knows exactly, you know, he's playing this ugly cut that, that is really consistent. So I kind of go back and forth on that. It's, but it's not, it's not a, you know, I'm like, oh God, that's probably what I look like hitting the ball. And it makes me, it makes me mad. How no, about this? No top tens in two years. How about this? He finished T46, which pays out $19,000. Oh God. He started the day in second, which Brandon Hagee got $763,000. Sheesh. That's a, that's a lot of money dumped in those. That is. Many 16 holes of retention ponds that they have there at, <laughs> at PGA National. <laughs> you remember when you used to have the bit on Twitter about J.B. Holmes trying to find a rental house with an above-ground pool Oh, each I week? forgot about that. <laughs> that was a, that's one of the all-time great stuff, man. That was back in the day when those things were appropriate to say. Uh, Camilo that was part of what drew me to, uh, you know, I want to go work for those guys, man. <laughs> Some people uh, I think Sally's lost his fastball. I don't. I know. It. I'm just not throwing it. Yeah. Uh, the joke. Not even racing. I think he was the highest man on the leaderboard that has an, an above ground pool. I think that was. The well, joke. I think it was when. Yeah, maybe when he got vaporized at the British Open, he said, "There's just no way you could find a rental house in the UK with an above ground pool." <laughs> <laughs> what uh, do you think it wears on him though? If. The, the slow play stuff, or he just doesn't care. He doesn't appear to care. That's what yeah. makes people upset about it. That's what. Yeah. That's why I think it continues on. Is you know we can beat it to death, on, but like if he shows no remorse. Like that's why giving Kevin Na a shout out about like he was known as the slowest player on tour. Yeah. And like, does anybody mm-hmm. talk about that anymore? Right. And he has addressed it and like owned it and like felt a duty to his other fellow pros to pick up the pace and to have somebody not do it. I think is what frustrates a lot of people. So, Camilo Vajegas. Needed a T3 or better to uh, maintain his status coming off of medical. Finished one shot out of T3. Um, I don't Damn. know if a six-way tie for T3 would have done it, though. He, I, so he may have been two shots out, but that was tough to see. Um, I know a lot of people were rooting for him, myself as well. But I know uh, I keep, uh, you know, <laughs> we're just kind of talking to ourselves here, but I would love a, a Camilo pod similar to the Mayhan pod that you just aired because obviously, I mean, he's been through – Horrible, horrible family stuff, but also is just has to have a super unique, interesting perspective on golf after the last 10 years, five years, you know, 15 years, even just coming up as like a total rock star. And uh, I don't know, you just hear you hear a lot of really good stuff with him, uh, you know, as far as rookies and him kind of taking him out for practice rounds. And he just seems like a very, a very solid guy. So, one yeah, my, that, that's a bummer to see him miss by one. One of my big takeaways from the Mayhan pod was. Uh, you know, we do this with every really, really good player that falls off at some point. The question is, what happened to so and so? And like, the more I researched that before that, and, and listening to him, the more the more ridiculous thing is, yo, how is this guy doing it for this many years? Like, yeah. it is not yeah, normal totally. to have eight straight years of 
prolonged success. Like the stuff that Kevin Na, Charles Howell, Pat yeah. Perez have done about being good and being on the PGA Tour every single year is absurd. And like the fact that, you know, Mayhan's game has fallen off from being like world class is not it's not as surprising as like the dudes that keep it going for a really, really long time. Or even, so. I mean, t- to make it, you know, very recency bias, but even like Matt Jones, where it's like, dude, when you're kind of half in, half out, like just the, the idea of he's 40 years old too, right? Just grinding and grinding and grinding and not knowing if it's going to come back or if it's going to ever be at that level again. I mean, that's that's the stuff that does make it very, very cool on afternoons like this. You know, is that does that outweigh, you know, making it into a product that is easier to follow and more has more superstars and all that stuff. I don't really know, but you know, it's interesting. Well, the, the Jagas, uh, story kind of reminds me of Chris Kirk earlier this year. Yeah. And then, and also like just a shout out to Chris Kirk, like what he's done, like gets his, you know, cements his status. And then he's just been on a tear, yeah. right? Like he's been all over every leaderboard and every tournament he's played in. So that's awesome to see. Lit a lot of money, money on fire on the back nine. This that week. Hurt. I need, we needed, we needed 10. that one. We yeah. needed the top 10. Don't worry. Don't worry, boys. Shout out to him. He can let me down. <laughs> Very important question for you guys. How are your brackets? Don't care. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. don't care. The tournament. I, I do care though, that the tournament is in full swing. <laughs> And the action has most definitely not disappointed, although as we're recording this, my Mountaineers are down by six to Syracuse, so... Don't care. Don't care. (laughs) Don't care. Truly don't care. (laughs) But I do love Huggy Bear, so... The DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. You can turn $1 into $100. That's 101 odds. Pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt. For your shot at winning $100, all it takes is that $1 bet and that team to win their next game. No better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test and to put your money where your mouth is than with the DraftKings Sportsbook. And if college basketball is not for you, DraftKings Sportsbook has 101 odds on select fighters for this weekend's UFC 260. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your own convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code NLU when you sign up to turn $1 into $100. If the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win, that's code NLU to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. There we Must go. be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Boom. <laughs> well played, sir. Absolutely. Buzzer beater. Nailed it. Can I can I say one one basketball thing before we get back to golf? Please. I, I surely would not uh, paint myself, misrepresent myself as, as a massive Illini fan by any means. But I do love, <laughs> I just want to give a shout out uh, to all the Loyola people because of how upset Tron gets when Sister Jean gets on the telecast. <laughs> Thirsty fucking Sister Jean out there again. <laughs> the deeper of a run they can make, the better because it, it makes me so happy to see how, how upset he irrationally gets about that. <laughs> oh, man, that's good stuff. <laughs> I want to bridge this next topic with... Um, just some some brief memories I have of the Honda Classic. We have I remember in 2018 this being like the lightning rod event of the Florida Swing when JT was kicking people out and yelling fuck yeah after winning on the 18th green and I remember that the buzz around that event in February of 2018. I remember we had Ricky winning in 2017. Brooks making a run at Keith Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, we Adam had Scott. Tiger shooting the Sunday 62 that one year. Rory winning. Rory hitting bomb five woods into the 18th green. 
Now it's opposite March Madness and nobody plays it. Honda has sponsored the event since 1982. Wow. Uh, <laughs> been at PGA National since 2007, and now it is just been absolutely punched in the face by the new schedule. And we are coming off an incredible stretch. We've been, you know, kind of lamenting as we, you know, go to record every week just how great golf has been for the past two months. It's been very easy. And like today was just a total and complete. This week was just a total stinker, I thought. I don't know if you guys felt the same, but I got got that sense on Twitter as well. Yeah, I mean the the strength of field it didn't It's not good. It's not good. I mean, that's to me, it's a that's the simple answer. I do want to say one thing. JT kicking that guy out was bullshit. <laughs> So just so like I don't see that as a fond memory. I was like, that's, <laughs> oh, it was a great memory. Yeah, like, but that it was, was that was really rod. that was really lame. It was lightning rod though. It was like controversy. Sure, were, no, I get no. It, you're, yeah, it is a memory. Yeah, um, worst treatment of a patron since Jungle Bird. For sure, for sure, un, un, unnecessary, unnecessary. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a. It it seemed like they were struggling to find some storylines today. For sure, um, it, I think we've been we talk a lot about wanting like I loved. Bay Hill last year or watching Bay Hill play really hard and in the wind. And, and it's almost like it works there, but it doesn't work for me at PGA national. Right. Like I, it, I almost feel hypocritical saying like, yeah, it just wasn't fun golf to watch, but like in theory, it should have been what I was looking for. Right. Like, Oh, it's a, the course is playing really hard. Like these, I like watching these guys struggle, but for some reason it, it doesn't click there for me. So. Yeah. I think there's two different topics. There's, you know, what's happened to strength of field and, and all that stuff, which we can definitely get into. But I, I'm with you. I, I felt a bit like a hypocrite halfway through where it's like, you know, we talk about how, how much carnage we love and how we want to see hard golf and all this stuff, uh, you know, 51 weeks a year. And this week comes around and it's kind of like, God, this is boring. And uh, I think my answer to the second one would be it. PJ National is like, it's not the, the good kind of carnage, I guess, if I was going to get really specific in that. You know, what I love is guys missing it in the wrong spots and they just absolutely can't get up and down. Or guys hitting in the, landing it in the wrong spot and the ball is going to release through and go off the back. Not just like, yeah. are you going to hit it in the water or are you not going to hit it in the water is not as exciting to me. <laughs> not like on repeat like yeah. this one is. And just no, I don't know. We're going to talk some golf course stuff here in, in a minute. But a couple questions we got that I want to get to. This is from uh, listener Max in uh, in Arizona. <laughs> Uh, at Max Homa 23, do the money games at Bears Club slash medalist during the Honda give out more OWGR points than the tourney? First of all, I want to give a shout out to both of those places. Always can get stop by and get a game. Always get a game. True players club. Yeah. <laughs> really, really, you know, greens really are probably faster membership. there. They're yeah. sure. probably faster there than the Honda Classic. You should see the member guests at those places. <laughs> Unbelievable. The uh, strength, just so, just I tweeted this, but I could not believe how far the strength of field has fallen in this event, and that literally it has gotten weaker every single year since 2014, starting at 494, ending at 179, and this year just being miles below any other year. Um, those numbers don't – I mean, it, we can break down what those numbers actually mean, but it's no secret. There's, like, no top 10 players there. Daniel Berger was the top 10 player in the field. Apparently he showed up to hit balls, like, on Wednesday this week at the Bears Club and was like, nah, I don't have it, and withdrew from the tournament. So that – the, the real Jupe life is living in Jupiter and not playing the event that's <laughs> yes. in your hometown. Like that is, which it's yeah, it kind of support local business. It, yeah, it kind of starts to see, uh, you know, starts to feel like the it, it's very uncool to play there. Well, like, I oh, fault, come on, nobody goes to that place anymore. Yeah. What are you doing? I fault no one for, for no playing. totally. Like, well, so explain why. Well, I mean, it's it's you're among the this crazy, crazy, crazy stretch of really great events, which have been really fun to watch, but somebody 
pays the price for this. So we have the WGC, or I'm sorry, we start really with the Genesis Invitational at Riviera. The next week goes WGC Workday Championship at the concession, brought to you by uh, Workday. And Grupo Salinas. <laughs> Arnold Palmer Invitational, uh, which is an elevated event. Players Championship, biggest event, flagship event of the PGA Tour. Honda Classic is between the players and next week's WGC match play. So why the hell would you, if you're playing, why would you play this event? And then another event, and then the Masters also, yes. right? Yeah. So it's like there's a, a bunch of different schools on the guys who have to play the week before a major, the guys who don't want to play the week before a major. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's it's a zero-sum game, I think, on as far as scheduling goes. And this is where I, you know, certainly wouldn't tell the PJ Tour, like, what's best because who knows, you know? Like, I don't know if it's better for them to have a bunch of really, really, really top-heavy, great, high ratings events and then almost feel like you're kind of punting during March Madness. Like maybe that's a better strategy. I don't really know. But as far as for title sponsors and all that stuff, I mean, it's we've talked about this on the pod before, but it's got, I mean, Jay Monahan has to just be playing whack-a-mole on a lot of this stuff. It's it's what we always joke about where it's like, oh, you know, the fall events, you guys aren't happy. All right, we'll do a... Can a, I get a question in from this? Is from MW Tweets. Does the tour have a prestige inflation problem for various reasons that is doled out prestige? ultimately resulting in three WGCs, three elevated events, four playoff events, the players, plus various exclusive limited field events in addition to majors. But I guess that's where I'm, you know, as a fan, like what would I prefer that they make those events that have all gotten really fucking awesome, like Riviera and Bay Hill and all these, like do I prefer they make those worse to make the Honda Classic a little bit better? Like, no, probably not, right? Like it, it kind of almost feels like those top-heavy events are have gotten much, much better, right? And, and I just, you know, someone's going to have to pay the price. And that's where it's, I, I feel like AT&T is kind of in this boat with both the Byron Nelson and Pebble. You know, those events have kind of been notoriously weak the past few years. And it's just, I don't know how you keep kind of, you know, it, I, I guess that's kind of the whole job, right? It's just like churn of sponsors and keep plugging holes yeah. and, and backfilling people. But it's it just, uh, I don't know, it's really interesting Really interesting stuff. Barbara, no one's playing our yeah. bad. <laughs> Joe Fickett had a great, re read his question, because I think he summed it up for me. Yeah. I, I was thinking the exact same thing earlier once, today. Once Honda and AT&T decided they're done being treated like stepchildren, despite uh, being two of the tour's longest-running sponsors, will Workday be sponsoring 10-plus events? <laughs> I think, no, I think Honda and AT&T are the first two that jump to my mind, and they're almost two businesses that they sponsor so much stuff outside of golf. I mean, they just... You know, they have huge, huge marketing budgets, huge teams. It's almost like they, you know, it's not a, I don't want to say it's not a priority for them, but it, it's almost like the tour is able to be like, okay, let's just see how long, like, these guys won't notice, right? Like where, you know, they're they're distracted with March Madness or whatever else they're they're sponsoring. But those two companies to me and those two, like, and, and AT&T has two events and both of them seem to get the shaft every time, right? Like the, you know, the Byron Nelson is just kind of a, in it's the got, wind, well, right? It, like, it what's was, going on with that? And then Pebble, yeah, Pebble has become just not as – it has fallen down a tier, even though it's, you know, the, one of the top five, ten golf courses in the world. So, you know, I think that you got to wonder what those conversations are like with, with the, you know, uh, both AT&T and Honda. 
They keep putting up the money, which is crazy. But it may, I, I would like to know if they get a discount on this in any way. I don't yeah. think they do. I think it costs them between ten and twelve million to sponsor this event, and yeah. the purse is only seven million for this one. And it's you know it's nine point three for Bay Hill, and it's nine point three for Genesis, and the, the players is fifteen, and that's different. The WGCs are ten point five million dollar purses, so it's like half the purse of the players, less and less than that really. But still, it's not like a cheaper sponsorship. For them, so yeah. I don't know how they keep tricking companies into doing this. I, I would say this too. I, 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 I look at Honda. Even the logo to me, everything feels a little tired with little this dated. tournament, right? Yeah. Like the the logo feels like it's been this logo since the eighties, right? And it and it the course looks like it could use a refresh. I mean, they had Jack on for probably fifteen minutes too long today. Um, Controlled a truly awful. God story. about Gerald Ford. I didn't know where he was going with that. DJ and I are both kind of flummoxed. Uh, there. Th- listen, hand up for anyone who hasn't, you know, <laughs> wandered into a story. Sure, they sure. realize yeah. they probably should have started. <laughs> but, so, I, do that, I, I do that every week on this podcast. Yeah. But, uh, but even they were like, Jack, why does this course play so hard? His answer was, I don't know. The wind. <laughs> you know, I guess the conditions. I mean, we've made a lot of changes, and it was kind of like in his head. You could see he's like, I don't know what they are. And they were back in 2001. You know, and then we've done like little stuff since then. But like even the rock retaining walls around like 17 green, they just, it doesn't look very good. You know, it, it, it reminds me of, you know, when golf was expanding too much in the 80s and 90s and the, there's, there's, you know, too many development courses. That's what this place is like the flagship version of that for me. Can we do this now? Like, I, I, I don't, I think a, a huge effect that can have on a viewer's experience watching golf is like wondering whether or not you want to play that golf course, right? I've sure. never, ever, ever desired to play PGA National. And I want to throw this out there. Like, what, what are your top golf courses on the PGA Tour that are top regular stops on the PGA Tour that you have, like, no desire to play the golf course? What's your power rankings? I don't know if we can go, we can go around the room and, and pick them off one by one. Because, honestly, I think PGA National is number one for me. There's not a it, shot out it there would that be I'm on, like. It'd be on my list as well. And I have uh, Firestone hmm. has always been on that list for me. There's something about, I don't know, the long – Switch back par fours when when they had the you know NEC you know the WGC there it was always just like you know I, it just never appealed to me that course is never from the air it just always looked very like long long rough boring golf um, I was thinking fire I would agree with you on TV I think fire sounds a little cooler in person I agree with in person when there, I went, there's more yeah, land movement but and that's stuff kind of the think. question isn't yeah, it yeah. right like that we're talking yeah. about it from a viewer's perspective sure. so like fire sounds always just made me like glaze over a little bit and I honestly I feel that way a little bit with Tory Pines because more so because I'm like man every time I see that course I'm like those holes aren't even on the ocean like you know it's almost like it's it's close but it's not there for me uh, the other one East Lake. Yeah. East Lake is which is which is weird. I'm from Atlanta. Like I've been out there, I don't know twice. I've never played there, but I've been to the tournament, and it just it's never done it for me. It's always just been like, oh man, that place just doesn't. It looks a little hollow. Like it, it's 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 only a corporate membership. It's never really felt like a golf course that that uh, I wanted to go play. And then unfortunately, a lot of courses that have TPC in the name. <laughs> yes, I got a lot of right. TPCs like on just, just that's like almost like. That's putting you at a disadvantage yes. with me. I'm like, they're like TPC San Antonio or TPC Southwind in Memphis. And, you know, I, I don't want to take some heat from the Memphis people. Like, I've heard that Southwind's good, but when they play that tournament in Nothing July. Nothing makes you want to watch it. What makes you want to play it? It doesn't make me want to play it. And it's also like, God, you, you look at that tournament, it's like, how hot is it? It's so huge. You just can see how miserable. In the heat of the summer, Memphis like never gets there. worked up on Twitter, though. So I, I think you'll be you'll be totally <laughs> yeah. fine. That's so, but there, I mean, I would say TPC Harding Park and you know Sawgrass have probably you know I, I, I 
love both those places or I like like both courses, but I've been there, I've played them, so that helps my opinion of them, right? But TPC is kind of like usually a it's not putting it in the win column for me. What's on your list, Deej? Listen, this is all relative, of course. I don't want to be Von Snootington. I would never step foot on any of these places. But when you when you really start thinking about the idea of shelling out the kind of money that they're talking about for some of these places, I think that's where I would say, surely there's somewhere else to go play. <laughs> well, that, right? Yeah, that's a good way to, to you, you frame know I mean? it. I think, yeah, I didn't it's think like, about do, it that do way. Do I want to go, if I was a you know resident of Torrey Pines and I could go, or of uh, San Diego and I could go play Torrey Pines for $50 and, yeah. you know, would I be triggered that, the architecture wasn't up to snuff or would I just enjoy paying $50 to go look at the Pacific ocean all day? I would probably have a fine time out there, but yes. And, <laughs> that, I mean? and I would say Tory wasn't on my list to but, clarify, but, I'm it, just, but sometimes it's, it's close. It's list adjacent for me. I'm laying down cover fire yeah. before I <laughs> lay out a bunch of, you know, golf courses that people have probably shelled out a lot of money to go play. Uh, <laughs> and I think to all of these, you'd probably say if the option is, or maybe something, a point of clarification is the option not playing golf tomorrow or playing golf at this place would you choose like truly no i don't want to play golf tomorrow <laughs> pj national would be, a, It'd be close i'm good man. yeah yeah, yeah I, i'm with it i'm with you there. i don't have enough golf balls i don't you know i, I don't my pride doesn't need it uh no thanks pj it's, nationals on my list as pj well. nationals the wrong kind of hard ch- and challenge like for amateurs it would be the like the n- good, nightmare good tournament golf course you know I, it's okay. it's fine to watch tournaments there but it's it's yeah. not not for me also, I'm going to give a, a triple header to the TPC network here as well. <laughs> uh, shout out to the Shark, uh, TPC San Antonio, specifically the AT&T Oaks course. Yeah. Which actually I've heard from some people is better than it looks on TV, similar to you know some of the other courses we've mentioned, but never ever has crossed my mind that that looks like a fun place to go hang out. TPC Louisiana, I have played. Sally, I always love coming back to your existential debate. Don't know if I played it or not. My <laughs> dad and I think we played it on a trip, but we don't remember. Really? We like debate it. Like, I think we did play it, right? And we don't remember if we played it. What are it. the other options? What what else could it have been? Don't know. Like, I'm pretty sure we played it. You definitely it. played golf yes. while you were there. Yes. You just don't know if it was at that course. Don't remember. Hell yeah. That's sweet. <laughs> Wasn't that long ago either. It was That's like so sweet. 11 years ago or so. Uh yeah, played there once and it was, you know, it's a cool place, but it's if I'm in New Orleans, I would if, if you told me, would you like to go play TPC Louisiana or just drink your face off? Or Audubon Park. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right? Like, there's, yeah. Would you rather go find some dank etouffee somewhere? <laughs> like, I'm not playing golf that day. TPC Twin Cities doesn't doesn't do a lot that, for I me. I had that on a short Are list you too. looking off? Did I Google share my list with you? Because we are four for four right now. Really? And yes. that, Well, and then the last one, let's see if we, if we locked it in. Uh, controversial. Seemingly fun tournament golf course, Bay Hill. Oh my God, five for five. Really? Yeah, yeah just, Bay Hill's good. That's that. That doesn't does I don't doesn't make me want to go play golf. Yeah, it's just I, I'm sure it's in immaculate condition, yeah. and, I, and I'm sure the greens are excellent and the fairways are awesome. But yeah, it just feels like I would be hacking out of the rough all day and shooting 115 and just not not having a whole heck of a lot of fun. To the people that say this is an echo chamber on this podcast, <laughs> screw you. That is evidence right there that this is not. Yeah, I don't even need to go through my list. I Did, had. Did you, write down in court, order. did you write down courses you'd most like to play? I did. And this was a tough one to do because, you know, it was like, do you, I would probably try to pursue a course that I haven't played rather than a repeat. But, like, honestly, if I was power ranking the five courses that are regular tour stops that I could go play tomorrow if I could, that's what I went with. And I don't even know if I love my list, but I would, I would love to play all five of these courses. Riviera. Course. Yes. That's, that's, I that's, would imagine a unanimous yes. one. Yeah that's, yeah, that's on there. Controversial one. Pebble. 
Love to play pickleball. I, I had that on my list, too. Had that on my list as well. Yeah. Would love to. Never played it, and I'm dying, and all, to, also dying to go. Also, Monterey Peninsula and Spyglass. Yeah. Like all, you know, you're Would just you like, get all three for that one if you chose? I think so. It's the tour, <laughs> it's the tour stop, right? Like That, that would change. It's, my, that it's would a three for one. Yeah. I have Plantation at Kapalua. Also had that. God, I had that one too. And <laughs> really? I think, but I think that has to do with the time of year, as well. I think I'd play it any time of year. I think it would just be so cool. It's so fun. But it all, I, I but played it, it would, once. Would you it's agree? Awesome. It helps. Like in January, you're like, oh my god, sure. I wish I was in Hawaii. You know, that's sure awesome. Austin Country Club. Ah, that's a good pick. Good I, pick. I didn't didn't pick that one, but that is a very good choice. Muirfield Village. Like, really, that's a golf course I go to that I've played three times in high school. But like, I every time I'm there. I like see the shots and I want to hit them. Like I, it, it has a little bit of characteristics. A lot of things we don't like about courses, and so it may. But it's like the fairways look pretty wide, and it's so pure. I would love to hit off that turf, and I, I crave playing golf. <laughs> I had the stopwatch out for over under what you were going to say turf or yeah. turf conditions. <laughs> every time I go go there, I'm like there for like an hour, and I'm like, okay, I got to go play golf somewhere. Like it yeah. makes me want to play yeah. golf every time. So My uncle like, Jim is a member out there. He's been sending me some updates on the uh, the redesign. So. I'm, uh, I'll, I'll keep everyone abreast. Cool, cool. We're the monitoring. Here will, no, I say that be because first to know. I'm actually, I'm really, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what the course looks like this year. What, any any courses I I, uh, I missed on your guys' list? Well, I had three for five on my list that that you named, but uh, I would add Sawgrass. Sawgrass is it is fun to play. I mean, it's it's awesome. It only gets better as the players gets better. 16, 17, 18 is. You know, as much as we like to dump on the commercials and the over-marketing of the tournament, I mean, it's really fucking fun to go play 16, 17, that, 18. That's one, though, that, to your price point. So I, I think this would be... Like, do you think that? Do you think it's worth the money? Would I go play it, like, pay my... I have the chance every day to go pay my own money to go play the golf yeah. course, and I have never done it. So yeah. <laughs> so no. But if I had never played it, yeah. would I go pay to do it one time? Like, yeah, I think I probably would. Okay. Probably not two times, but one time, sure. yes. Uh, I'm a big believer in. Almost, and I wasn't trying to get you there. Sorry to cut you, you off. I, almost <laughs> every golf course that is like a well-renowned golf course is worth the one-time cost to pay it to play it. Yeah, like I would. I've paid five hundred and fifty dollars to play Pebble, and I don't regret it at all. Because like I want to play that in my life. That was the way to do it. Right. So, saw, if you want to play Sawgrass, do I think Sawgrass is worth five hundred dollars? No. But like, do you want to play Sawgrass in your life? You got to pay five hundred to do it. And so also, yeah. it's it's completely full all day every day so apparently it is worth that apparently <laughs> uh last one i had was a total random one but i just love being in hawaii i would say wailai would be a very relaxing yeah. place to go play golf i feel like uh, i have two uh, well i th- i yeah i had a couple of bonus well, ones a lot of <laughs> a lot of ways a lot i, of ways go, I go with this one one though that you guys didn't have is heritage yeah that's uh, a good one. They, uh being on site i've never played there but i've been to the tournament i've walked all 18 holes, and I think it shows up really well on TV. I love the trees. I love the way that guys have to shape shots around there. It makes me want to get better at golf, you know, it, more so than just go play. It's sure. like, God, I, I need to get better to play well on a Pete Dye course like that. Um, so that's one of them. Colonial, have a similar yeah. feel for that. And actually, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, Beth Page Black. Uh, I played there once, but I always I kind of like how challenging that place looks on TV. And the, you know, the true like test of like, are you ready to go get your ass kicked out here? Um, I think Beth Page has a, has a place in my in my heart, but you better be prepared for that because mm-hmm. it's it's an absolute battle uh, when you go play there. So mm-hmm. those are my those are my choices. Quick Amsterdam for me on this week. Just I want to make clear that this is direct at the tour and not NBC, but just an absolute total disgrace of commercials. <laughs> and the players really highlighted it. And we mentioned it last week and just like, 
coming back to it this week, it was just a just an absolute disgrace. You know, at one point that it went commercial, shot from Matt Jones, replay from Matt Jones, Pacific Life summary, putt from Henley, putt from Sam Ryder, promo, putt from Henley, back to commercial, came back and did another promo. That was a sequence. Two, that two things I would add there. One, it felt shout like they were Bruce Hornsby. Shout out to Bruce Hornsby. It looked like they were trying to do a few make goods there to, to Honda. Um, there were a lot of man. Honda's been they've been such a good sponsor. Yeah. There, there were there were they, a lot they of were you know they they worked in some some great shots of the cars, uh, you know that you could win the hole in one. Uh, the ridge lines, you know, really don't know if the tour pros would be driving those, but that was a discussion question. I, I of course had. It does feel like <laughs> this is no judgment to any of these cars. They all seem like truly. Tremendous vehicles, but yeah, it always seems like they're giving away a lot of cars that I don't really picture like a tour player driving. Well, it, <laughs> to people that don't need the cars. Yeah, right. So. But yeah, it's yeah. All, also funny. It's a very it, like, it, you know, now that I'm rich, I get free coffee kind of a situation. It brings up like, the- Dude, why do you need a car? Get the, the old uh, Tiger and Buick. It's like, no, wait, but was Tiger? Yeah. He wasn't driving Buicks, was he? <laughs> like he won the Buick like eight times. It's like, what do you do with those eight Buicks, you know? Great idea. <laughs> you sit, a, a fan is a winner, right? And they they sit you get the next best to the car. House, kind you of sit next to the car giveaway. the whole time. And if any player makes an ace, you win the car. So like you're trying to hit the shot for the guy that might win a car. That'd be, that's awesome. That's better than the tour pro getting the car. Yeah. Yeah. I would totally be. Or a colonial one. Like Nog gave his caddy the, yeah. Yeah. Know, the challenge. That was great, right? I think they could... They could spice up that whole sponsor bit a little bit. That that they, they, so that's where it's it like goes let's along get with, creative, guys. Yeah, Come on, that goes you know? along with feeling the whole vibe feeling very dated. Yes, very dated. It's just like no, they're just going through the motions. I do love. I mean, of course, this is a sponsor of ours, but I do love when they're giving away like the badass cars. Yes, like the, the BMW always has like some crazy i8 behind the behind the T box or something like that's that's interesting. But yeah, just the uh, <laughs> one thing you know, I, here's like a. Well, Car to take your kids to soccer practice give, is like doesn't doesn't sorry. jive with uh, doesn't jive with tour player life. I will <laughs> give Honda credit. I do like it when the cars are floating of, on the water. Of oh, course, yeah. but that's, they do a good job with that. When it's sitting on the butt, it's like whoa, it's just it out there like, in the lake. It feels like we've seen that one before. Though. Yeah, I got it's a cheap thrill for me. <laughs> yeah. Come on, I got super fake excited about that watching it today. I was like, whoa, the cars are <laughs> yeah. in the water. And my wife was like. Yeah, they've done that for like twenty years. <laughs> I know, years. but it's still a cheap thrill. Come on, like that's good stuff right there. You know what's Quick interjection. This might be the Jack, uh, you know. Yeah, so we raised, you know, Goldens then for years. Story. <laughs> Barbara. But, uh, <laughs> Barbara. For the Golden Jail, Bear. Jail Ford. He offered, he offered us a dog. What do you want me to say? You remember the EA Sports commercial where Tiger walks in the water and then hits the shot from, like, the lily pad or whatever? He had they, – they filmed that, like, right after the 2008 U.S. Open when his knee was all fucked up. And so they, like – Everybody at EA Sports was terrified. They're like, "Oh my god, dude, he's gonna he's gonna slip on the plexiglass." Spoiler alert: There was plexiglass. He didn't actually walk on the water. He's like, "Oh, he's gonna slip and he's gonna ruin his knee even worse. This is gonna be horrible." So I always think about that whenever you see any anything floating in the water. Going across the pond, cool, uh, over cool man. <laughs> yeah, cool story. Well, no, one more thing. Back to Tiger and the Buicks. If I ever got to ask Tiger a question, I think that might be it. What'd really? you do with, What'd you do with the Buicks? God, that feels like a waste. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but I think, well, all right, two questions. I mean, you, know what, you know what it would be? It would probably be one of those. Your warm-up question? No, yeah, yeah. It would be one of those, hey, last question, Tiger. Okay, I got one more. <laughs> like, what happened? Yeah, what happened with the fire hydrant? Yeah. <laughs> Before you go. And one more. What did you do with all the Buicks? <laughs> I still, like, will sometimes just wake up in the middle of the night and be like, did you really, like, accuse Tiger of lying about his wrist when you actually got a chance to interview him? Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Tiger, did you really pop your joint out of place? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I, I really like comics. I had to really? ice it for months. So in Kenya this week, 
I, I listen. I'll be honest. I've been fallen very behind in watching European tour uh, for for many uh, months here. Apparently, the uh, equipment for Sky Sports or for the World Feed did not make it to Kenya in time. It got held up at the port. It sounds like they did not broadcast the first three rounds of the tournament. Watch the choke points. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so they had to come out. Yeah, they, they, they confirmed Sunday and were able to broadcast Sunday for the Magical Kenya Open presented by John, Johnny Walker. Uh, I just was, I don't know if, if I have any comments on that, but it felt like a newsworthy event. Wor- worth mentioning, for what, sure. Especially since they're well, in Kenya back-to-back weeks. And I asked Deej about this, though. I was like, it, the the statement was so vague. Yes. It's like, what, what's going on? It was like, is this a geopolitical issue? Is it just stuck on a boat? Like, are we not paying the right customs guys? Like, due, what's going on here? Yeah, they said, like, due to logistical issues. Yeah, right? which just so sounded like, like it was, you know, are they covering... Like did something really bad happen? So I don't could know. have. There's yeah. more, maybe more to come on this. Yeah. I, I'm surprised this stuff doesn't happen more often with the places the European tour goes. Like the, they got to lift up and go week to week. You know, shipping from continent to continent. That you know, more stuff doesn't get held up in customs or because it's so much freaking equipment. Yeah, I always think about so that much. image of like the Golf Channel putting everything on the boat to, to send to, it to yeah to, to float it over to Kapalua. To, yeah, to leave from Hawaii yeah. whenever they're done with the Hawaii swing. Like it is. An enormous operation, but that that was pretty wild. Deej, why don't you introduce uh, our next topic for us? Sure thing. So, uh, Beth Ann Nichols, friend of the show, uh, former colleague of mine at Golf Week Magazine, uh, wrote an interesting piece this week for Golf Week about uh, kind of just disparities in setup between the men's game and the women's game. And I think her the crux of uh, you know it was kind of part part investigation, part editorial, almost uh, kind of. Setting up that, you know, I think the premise was essentially if you want to see more fireworks on the LPGA, then we need to see more reachable par fours and reachable par fives. She had a lot of comparisons to the men's game and some of the clubs that the men are hitting into par fives on on the reg versus, you know, how there's a lot of weeks where Ann Van Dam or someone like that who is drastically, shockingly longer than most of the players or the average player out there can only maybe get to one or two par fives, whereas most weeks on the PJ Tour, the longest guys are going to be able to at least get to three, probably four. And uh, so, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll, that's kind of the setup. I'll, I'll leave it to you guys as far as what you thought of that uh, idea, because it was candidly something I had not really thought about very much. I, I would add, just as a th- I, I pulled out a quote from the piece that I thought was kind of the thesis, it's, there is no more cost-effective way for the LPGA to immediately increase the entertainment value of its tour than to set up more courses that are conducive to low scoring, which was, you know, like third or fourth paragraph in. And I thought that that kind of summed it up for me. I think it's tough because we kind of rail on the PGA a little bit. That's about, where I want to get to. It's yeah. Like, I don't really know where I net out on this. I think it's an interesting discussion. And I think the most interesting part of this is how it relates to like normal amateur golf. 100%. And I think we I can totally get to agree. that. So I don't even necessarily agree that like – just low scores is going to be more exciting. I, th- I think that's a massive assumption that that this operates under, and I right, and I, I think it's always more exciting to watch Riviera than Palm Springs, right? And that has nothing to do with, you know, <laughs> under right. kind of the assumption it's like, oh well, Palm Springs they're making so many birdies and eagles that must be so much more exciting, and it's like, ah, eh, no, that tournament sucks. Like yeah. the you know Riviera is more exciting. It, like I, I yeah. think. Yeah, that's a very big assumption that I I would take a little bit of issue with. But to that point, I think, and and I don't, I probably don't watch enough LPGA to know if there is this, but I think the PGA Tour has courses that have identities. Like you know, Palm Springs is going to be a birdie fest. You know, Sony's going to be one of those tournaments where they're going to go super low. And then there's other courses where you know that that's not the case. Like maybe the LPGA needs to 
carve out some of those uh, identities or maybe like, I if, just, you know, maybe there needs to be more variety in, in, you know, the score in relation to par a little bit. I think there need, I think variety is another big word that I took away from this, which is, I don't think there's any arguing her premise or a lot of the people quoted in here's premise that there needs to be more reachable par fours. And yeah, there does need to be more reachable par fives, right? Like that, I think is a no brainer. And to your point, Neil, I, I wrote down the same quote as far as like, yeah, it doesn't cost any money to do this, you know, to make, <laughs> to make it a little bit more interesting, but like candidly, do I watch a ton, ton, ton of LPGA golf? No, I don't. Does it like would lower scores make me want to watch more? Like, I don't know, maybe that, that maybe that would help a little bit, but I don't really think so. I think it has much more to do with a lot of other factors. So it's, it's one of those things that's like, yeah, maybe it won't hurt, but I don't know that necessarily it's, you know, a massive game changer. I think it, the best, the, the, the key takeaway, I guess, that Bethann makes is it's the most cost efficient, right? It's the most, right. her case is that it's the most realistic and easiest, fastest way to it. I think the, the longer route and the one that you can't count on, because you never know when this is going to come, is greatness. Like people tuned, I tuned in as a, as a kid to watch Annika. Like I did. I, when she would go on a tear, when she was going to win, it was like Annika's winning on the LPGA tour, Tiger's winning on the main tour. I know I have my uh, my touch points of like what I want to go see when I watch golf. And it's interesting whether they win or don't win. Correct. But they're the they're the focus. And they kind of had that going with Lydia Ko there for a little while that I, I feel like people tuned, like pe I felt like golf Twitter got really excited when Lydia Ko was closing out another tournament. She was so young and do like absolutely dominating out there. And that they don't currently have that. It's a it's a effect of Annika, uh, uh, honestly, probably of Annika, of like the strength of the LPGA Tour and the talent that's out there right now. It's a rotating cast of characters that are winning. You know, on a it's just it's spread out, just like it is on the PGA Tour a lot. And there's not that person that is, you know, creating this insane goat legacy, which you can't count on. But like that would be. The true way to really draw eyeballs is to like watch which, somebody go strive for greatness. Which I would, you know, I'm just kind of guessing at this, but I would almost think making the courses quote unquote easier would negate a lot of that, yes. right? Like I would think the harder the golf course, the more parity you have and the more the best player can truly identify themselves, right? I mean, that that's, yeah. I think that's why the well, best players tend to win majors, yeah. right? It's because the golf course is set up the hardest and, and it's the biggest, the hardest test. But a, a key piece of her argument was, you know, what's the quickest way to get someone to tune into the LPGA or get the network to do a cut in? It's fifty nine watch, yeah, right. And and being able to put someone on a <clears throat> a platform to do something historic, um, I I think going back to the PGA, like we've kind of argued, like man, maybe the PGA doesn't need it to be such a birdie fest and be so under par, but if they are, the LPGA as a business, like I kind of agree with her that like that would be a good thing to get it more in line because like if an average golf fan tunes into the LPGA and they're all, it's a birdie fest, they're not going to know that they moved the tees up or that they made the course shorter. Like no, there's no, that context isn't there. Like she yeah. had a quote at the end about um, there's a common belief among amateur women, even pros that when they move up to a shorter tee, they're somehow quote cheating that suddenly having a wedge or a nine iron in for an approach shot means it's too easy. Did anyone ask then 46-year-old Jim Furyk if his 58 came too easy after he hit three 8-irons, six 9-irons, and three wedges into par 3s and par 4s and nearly drove a par 4 at the Travelers Championship? Great point. Right? So it's like nobody questions like... Well, that 15 what, at what Travelers a, doesn't count, though. <laughs> what a what a, uh, a achievement that is from Furyk, but then it's immediate with like, oh, well, they're playing from a shorter tee, right? Like if they made it even shorter, I don't think it, anybody would 
realize it in a way. I, I totally agree. But I, I just don't want this to – I think where my issue would be – and maybe this isn't what she's trying to say, but, you know, it gets a lot of weight because it is a, a pretty big, you know, quote-unquote investigative piece that took a long time, clearly, and, and was very interesting to read through. But I, I just don't want this to get painted as, like, that's the one thing, like, holding the LPGA back. Right. I totally agree that it's yeah. – it's, there's a middle ground and like a very cost-effective way to make some more fireworks would be to introduce some better, more interesting setups. But you can't like take your eye off the ball as far like that doesn't mean people. I don't think that does, doesn't mean people are just gonna you know it's not gonna open the floodgates to. I agree with casual that. viewers. I think there's a ton of other things that are much much less cost-effective that would take a yeah. lot more investment to do. So I think there's the it's a uh, fallacy is maybe not the right word, but like. Low, just low crazy scores in the LPGA Tour isn't going to necessarily bring viewers, okay? There's that avenue. But also, like her point of like 6,400-yard golf course on the LPGA Tour, what that's equal to on the men's tour was kind of jarring. Well, what she said in there was a 7,300-yard setup for the men plays the same as a 6,000-yard setup for the women, Mm -hmm. which I will say, like, we've all played with LPGA players. Like, I am a, you know, pretty average uh, male golfer, I would say, distance-wise. And I hit it about exactly the same as a lot of those LPJ players, right? I think maybe the iron's a little farther, the woods maybe a little shorter than some of the longer players, but I mean it's it's pretty comparable. And so when I think about going and playing a six thousand yard golf course, like would that be better for me as far as pace of play and making more birdies and having more fun? Totally, absolutely. Does that necessarily do I always walk away as like, man, that was a really proper test of golf? No. I'm hitting driver wedge into the vast majority of the, the par fours, right? And so that that really drove it home for me is like, whoa, if that driver wedge kind of feel is what a 7,300-yard golf course feels like on the PJ Tour, like that's fucked up. Yeah. That's, yes. that's my takeaway from this story is <laughs> yeah. like, whoa, like the whole thing, everybody was joking with Shipnock about 9,000-yard golf courses and all that stuff a couple of years ago. It's like, no, like if that's the case, like, yeah, we probably should be at like 8,000 with how far the ball is going for these guys in, in order for it to be a, you know, a quote unquote test, which you can debate if that's important or not. But, uh, that, that was my biggest takeaway from the piece was, yo, maybe it's, uh, shouldn't play like that in the men's game. <laughs> I think that it's a whole, and not to unpack the distance, like we, we can't fit the distance part into this, but where I don't want to see tour courses just go for more length is that, the way skills are rewarded now, the relative risk of pounding driver really hard is low. So it becomes even more distance. Distance becomes even more of a prerequisite the further you stretch out a golf course, right? I think golf works a lot better with equipment that where balance at 7,200 yards is rewarded more than it yeah. becomes driver wedge, right? So I think with, with LPGA setups too, and I remember this from like the Kemper Lakes PG, uh, Women's PGA in 2018. Somebody pointed this out, like round three setup there was something like 10 par fours between like 390 and 410 on one of yeah. the days. And it was like, yo, that's not like a unique setup. And the Karen Stupples quote from within the within the piece was like, most golf courses are not designed with good women golfers in mind. That's the cold, hard truth of it. And like, that's what I, you kind of feel that when you go to an LPGA Tour event. And, you know, I don't know what the, how you address that when it comes to setting up an LPGA event. But like, it's worth, I guess, thinking about and discussing and, well, um, I think my biggest takeaway was the lack of uh, like shot data that the yeah. LPGA has, and the comparison of of you know DJ 
um, to say young Kim to say young Kim, and it's like, she, you know, she's hitting six five and six iron instead of eight or nine. But if she, when she hits eight, she hits eight and nine iron just as well as he does, right? Her proximity to the hole, and so I mean, maybe a good place to start would be how do you get the women in, like what the college coaches were doing uh, in the piece. They were are, are kind of trying to set up college tournaments where. Uh, the women's team and the men's team were both had about the same amount of distance on their approach shots. Not so much like thinking about like the or hitting total, the same club, hitting the same exactly, yeah. hitting the same club into you know every every hole was kind of the goal, and and then the scoring ended up being like right around the same for men and women. They talked about that in the piece too with the U.S. the U.S. Open at Pinehurst number two when yeah, they yeah. did the men's the first week and the women's the second week. That was the whole goal of the USGA was let's make sure for the most part you know the men are hitting the same club club into the greens as the women and the scores were you know roughly about the same right the like, same and they played at 6200 for the yeah, women something like that yeah so and that seems like well, i don't know why i agree with you that maybe it's not the answer for the lpga but it seems like if the players want it and that's something that they think will make them more excited to play like it was i think like want to call out laura davies the goat she said every week she writes the same thing on the player surveys par five's too long par four's too short and similar par three's too much the same <laughs> yeah yeah I, it's like I think that's the what they want it's like reward yeah. them you know like it's a player run organization right like why why isn't there more feedback it seems like the pga tour takes in a lot of feedback from their players i don't think it is the i don't think the answer is hey just make it shorter i think the answer is more variety yes. right it is you know there might be two par fives that like hey you got to have a distant skill to reach two of these but like the rest Hey, we're going to set up an exciting shot. But I think Karen Supple's point is kind of haunting about it is like that's the truth of it is like the the distance that and the and the way that women the top women players play the game. No no golf courses are designed with that in mind. Like that they are using courses that are designed either for members or maybe designed for top male pros that are no longer applicable to the male game and it's just there is not a golf course that, you know, I, that I'm aware of that gets built that's like here we're doing this for the distance and the skill that LPGA players have. Well, I think it's different. I, I I think that quote carries a ton more weight with women's recreational golf, right? Where I I think like the the LPGA, like I said, I mean, watching you know we were out at the Game Bridge for a week last week and watching all of those players play. It's like no, you guys, yeah, you pretty much have the same game as me and like or not same game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like distance wise, we're hitting about the same clubs and like. I have the luxury of like every golf course on planet earth was designed for me to go play. Right. Like, isn't, and so I think the LPGA, there should be a lot of variety because they're hitting it, you know, probably pretty similar to, you know, single digit handicap men players, but for, you know, the women members, the women recreational golfers, like I totally agree that, yeah, they're usually like, yeah. Oh yeah. Just build another tee box about 30 yards up. Like it has nothing to do with the yeah. greens. It has nothing to do with, you know, landing zones in the fairways. All that stuff. So it's, I don't know. It's I, I, I'm glad, really glad Beth Ann wrote the piece because it was something I had not really thought about enough. Last thing I'd add there is, and you told me this coming back from Gamebridge, is how important the Aon Risk Reward Challenge is on the <laughs> yes. LPGA. I think that's awesome. It, it was crazy <laughs> watching a lot of the caddies. I mean, they they know like, you know, we joke about it all the time, but like the tour players don't know what the hell they're, they don't know what hole it's they on. don't know they what don't hole care. it is i'm sure it's posted all over the locker room yeah. and it's all over the telecast but like the players have absolutely no, no idea they're trying to win the tournament for the women there's a, an equal million dollar prize on the line for the season winner and it was like one of the first things we heard when we showed up like all right 15 the par five that's the aon hole so they're probably going to move it up one day so make sure you hit an extra t-ball from that spot yada 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 it was 
they were locked into that's, it. That's great stuff. Yeah. It's one of the few things that is equal pay in uh, yeah. men's and women's golf. So um, let's talk a little Olympics. I don't, I'm not sure this conversation is going to be much different than it was probably in 2016, but uh, Dustin Johnson has announced he's skipping the Olympics. Uh, Webb Simpson's made some comments about it, you know, not sure if he wants to travel across the world at that point in the season. Uh, will other players follow, you think, DJ skipping the Olympics? And should pro golfers feel any obligation uh, to play in the Olympics? This is I, this is not going to be a, a fresh conversation, but I think it's it's time we have it again. What do you think? Uh, I listened to Max and Shane talk about this on the Get a Grip pod this week, and Max made some great points of like pro golfers not growing up dreaming about this. Like you dream about playing in the Masters, you dream about playing the U.S. Open. This has been a late addition. I think that they screwed up the format of this thing so bad that it's really hard to ask pro golfers to be like, hey, you have all of these other events that have all of this prestige, pay all this money. You do this week after week after week after week. Can you put a pause on that for now? Go travel across the world, play for no money, play for your country, play for the honor of playing the Olympics, but it's going to be a smaller tournament than the biggest ones you play in. And, you know, you're representing your country, but you're just on your own. You're playing an individual event. It's not a team event. There's no form. There's no match play to it. It's a stroke play event like you normally play. But, like, honestly, like, way less prestige than all of the other golf events. Like, please go do that for the sake of your country. In the middle of your season, right before your playoffs, we can make fun of, you know, them being actual playoffs. But, like, a lot of money is about to get decided. Your whole year is about to get decided. Like, hey, go do this out of your way. Tough. It's a tough case. I think. It feels, you think it should be a team event? Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. I do, too. Okay. They, they totally blew it. It could have been a two-man match play event. It could have been – they could have done so many formats. They could have done alt shot, four-man alt shot they could have done. They uh, they could have made this so interesting. They could have done multiple events and make this way yeah. more interesting. But apparently it was like – Which, devil's advocate on that, I think a lot of it was – the Olympics is supposed to be the absolute pinnacle. Let's identify the best athlete in this given sport. And so I think a lot of it was looking at how do they identify the best athlete every week? It's 72 old stroke play. Yeah. So if we're going to identify the best athlete, that's what we need to do. So anyways, I totally yeah. agree. It would be way more that's fun exactly to watch, but yeah. that's, that's why it is the way it is. Yeah. And that's why they are going to struggle to get some of the top players because like they get asked this question almost every week. Like, you know, it's not like a lot of the other sports in the Olympics. It's, you know, I know there's world championships for skiing and, you know, gymnastics and all that stuff and track and field and all that stuff. But, like, they have a pinnacle, and the pinnacle has always been the Olympics. You can't just, like, throw golf in the Olympics and, like, make people pretend like that's the pinnacle. Well, it goes back to the zero-sum game, right? Like, you totally could do that, except for you already <laughs> you already did that with the WGCs and with yeah. these elevated events and with the playoffs and the tour championship and now the majors and the players. And, like, dude, you can only, you can only go to the well so many times here for – there's only so much prestige to go around to the earlier person's question. I think it's very much a nobody. Golf is in the Olympics now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, Especially when there's other sports that are dying to be in the Olympics. The, the fix for me, is, I don't know, maybe this is just me, and, and it's kind of you know nostalgia for an event I didn't even watch, which is the, the Miracle on Ice, but I mean, what if it was amateur golfers? I was thinking about that too. Right? Be, what if you almost, pretty cool. you almost made it like a, you know, a, really souped up world version of the USAM, right? Where it's it's like I would get so far behind whatever American amateur was playing in in the golf in the golf tournament. It still would have to be team for me. It's such Well, a, sure, you but know, but I, I mean as as far as like if those are almost the two options, if it's either, you know, 
you have like this event where clearly the best players are skipping, but like awesome Justin Rose sick gold medal that 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 was really cool shout out to team rose you you have that and you have everybody just constantly telling you how great it is when again a lot of the best players skipped and it didn't really feel quite as big as it probably should have or definitely not as big as it does in other sports or you have like all right wipe the pros out completely or at least uh, yeah i don't know it's just tough because so many other people in different countries feel so differently right like there were there are a ton of guys who are so jacked up about it. I thought, I don't know if you saw Thomas Bjorn had a big kind of Twitter thread about this and how like he probably would have skipped if he was of this age. But now looking back, he just would urge everybody to go do it because it's so cool. It's something you're never going to, you're only going to regret skipping this. You know, you're not going to regret missing the the playoff event or missing a right. WGC or something like that. But I don't know. It's it's a really tough one. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I don't feel much towards it. I don't, I wish I did. Um, I, you know what I really, you, basically any format, but the one they chose would work. But like, also I think about like track and field, there's a hundred meter, there's a 200 meter, there's a 400 yeah. meter. What if there was different kinds? We have the par three contest at the, <laughs> at the Olympics. We have the par four contest. We have the long drive. We have the skill, high drive. Skills competition. <laughs> I like, that's a half baked idea, but it also would be more interesting than it would like than this would be if you I don't know you just if the Olympics sh- is like a I don't know what the, technically the Olympics are but I feel like it's like an athletic feat competition right within your sport yeah. within and I, I just don't think like doing the same thing that you do professionally there's a reason why basketball feels kind of weird in the Olympics but even that's a little different the rules are different the format is different and like you know it allows a lot of the international teams to be able to compete with the U.S. that should have superior athletes but the way the rules are and the three-point line and all that stuff it changes the game changes this is not different I I would say I'm weighing on the amateur idea Um, I'm also I think it should be match play even if it was individual match play I think that fits better with the kind of mono mono Olympics vibe of yeah. like, yo, what if you got X country going up against Y country? Like there's a lot more storylines and it just, that feels like, and, and it's an opportunity. There's not enough match play in, you know, pro golf or in high level golf. I think that would be a really good place to showcase it. Which on that note, well, which everybody would, would say like the match play is bad for TV. And I think, you know, again, speaking on my ass here, but it seems like the Olympics is, mostly for tv sure <laughs> at this point uh and so yeah i don't know man I, I would say if you had i i get why they didn't do match play because if you a have you know the best players in the world skipping and you end up with i'm not even gonna pick two guys but you end up with two very middle of the pack guys playing 18 hole match play for a gold medal like that's probably not a great look so i don't sure. know the amateurs would be sweet and i also want to you know we're talking a lot about this but the I think the women's competition will be cool. I think yeah. that you're not going to see any of this on the women's side, right? I think the women who qualify are going to be completely stoked to go do it and all in and excited to be there. Uh, so I think that's worth commending as well. I, I want to answer your question. Do I Would I criticize Dustin Johnson for not not going? I, I wouldn't say I crit, I'd criticize him. I, I wish he wanted to go, for one. like I, But he doesn't, and that's I have no problem with that. And he should. If he doesn't want to go, he should give up. You know, he should say that now, and then they can. Yeah. There's enough good, um, you know, U.S. golfers. He's not going to put the country in a bad spot. Right. Um, it is a bummer. It, it's it a would bummer. Be, you like? It, it I, would be cool. I feel like I would yeah. be. I would be hyped to go. You know, maybe I'd feel differently if it was, you know, millions of dollars and this and that. But maybe you know, but may, DJ probably feels like he's got a. It's a big year for him. He's number one in the world. He's trying to, 
you know, strike while the iron's hot on his career. So, but it is, you're asking a guy to do that once every four years, which is where it gets a little bit like, you know what the big bummer is? That he went and played Saudi Arabia and won't go to Japan. Like, so, totally. Uh, so there is yeah. the, you can roll your yeah. eyes at like, I don't want to go across the, uh, you know, the, an ocean in the middle of my season, but like, they went and did it for a paycheck for that. So that it, that's disheartening, but like at the same time, like again, devil's advocate. That's different than it is. It's a different time of the season. It is. It's, it's well before the majors. But it still and, sucks. But like, it, but it does suck, and it's very, very worth pointing out. So like right now with DJ out, it would be JT Morikawa, Bryson, and Xander with Reed nipping <laughs> on Xander's heels. Bryson uh, at the Olympics would be a content factory. Yes. He's going to enter more. He's going to go enter some more uh, events. God, can you there. imagine him in the weight room with the powerlifters? It's possible. Picking up some tips. He could nuke our entire squad just by talking everybody's ear off about you know different ways they could do things better. Is he going to survive the, the night before their competitions? Did you ever think about doing it this way? I was reading some. I was reading some stuff last. He's night. talking to the marathon guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. about their hydration exactly. strategy. Exactly. Yo, you should really try some orgain. <laughs> I, I I think you need to pack on a little bit of weight. Is he going to survive WADA? That would be the question. <sighs> that that for a future that. episode. That's, that's interesting. That's really interesting. <laughs> Speaking of match play, uh, Eamon Lynch over at Golf Week. A lot of shout-outs shout outs to Golf Week this week. Good. They're uh, doing, doing great stuff. Eamon took a torch to the match play format, which obviously stinks. The <laughs> the, the pool play is nobody was asking for this. Except uh, sponsors and TV. But Again, I think those those folks have gotten their way for a long time in golf. <laughs> and the fan, it's, we're the voice of the fan. That's what we're doing here. Uh, not Dr. J asks, what's the best format for the match play? It's clearly not 64. I actually don't know what he means, but it's clearly not 64. But what is the best format for the match play? Maybe he means it's not for because of the pool players because of the pool play, which kind of makes it difficult to, I would say it's definitely not the pool play because the first three days of the tournament have lost their luster. Not completely, but I, I loved, I mean, hand up. I did not uh, read Eamon's piece yet, so maybe this is what he was. I don't know. Was he just suggesting going back to the old format? Yeah. And then that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Is the old Wednesday used to be one of my favorite days in golf? Yeah, I'm sure I'm fairly outnumbered in that. As far as you know, this feels so. well. It feels like another one of those things. It's like hard, hard, hardcore golf fans fucking loved that day, right? And I don't know if maybe this is just crunching the numbers on. You know, there just wasn't enough people watching in the middle of the day on a Wednesday because that's a big ask of people. But it's, I loved that day and I, I wish they would bring it back too. But I, clearly they thought that this was, you know, some way to make TV happier. And it just feels like a lot of these decisions just, they get designed by committee, right? And then they just end up being kind of soulless, blah, like, yeah, we're checking the boxes. Why do you not like this? It's like, because it's fucking soulless. I got a question for you guys. What is what's the what's the defining like um, series? Would you say te- entertainment piece <laughs> of television in, in the, the last, in the month of March? In the last like, specifically ten years or so. no, no, no? I'm not oh, going that's March how you're getting it. Oh. Like entertainment TV series like HBO, Netflix, all that. What's like the defining show of the last ten years? Would you say drama wise? I don't know. You where haven't watched it. I don't know where you're going. I to assume you. you're going with Game of Thrones. I am. But, okay. You know why people like really ride for game of thrones is like i'm sorry i'm going to spoil part of it like one of the main characters gets his fucking head cut off in the first season like the guy you think the whole series is about i was gonna say to make themselves sound smart and you feel things when that happens like you feel the pain of that march madness like that is an obvious comparison like what's the best weekend of march madness the beginning the the first part where like first two Ohio rounds. State gets axed. My Mountaineers, quick update. We lost tonight. Like it's not great. <laughs> oh, I hate that for Huggy. Like Bear. that, but that like makes you feel that pain, that fi- finality well, of it. Because there's something on the line. Exactly. Yeah. But when you do three rounds of pool play, 
And then you get to the Sweet 16, like I, I don't feel anything. If whoever loses yeah. in the Sweet 16, I'm like, okay, well you, you won a bunch of matches already, and then I don't know. Well, it it just, just it just turns it for like so many other things in golf, and I understand why this is the way it is, but it just turns it from like a competition to like a cash distribution mechanism. Yes. A reward, you know. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's like, oh, we don't want these guys going home because, like, that'd be a waste of their uh, time. We, we they need flew to all the give way here. these guys that we need to reward. Yeah, how do we just give let's, them the most money possible? Let's try to yeah. get them through this first couple rounds yeah. so we can, so that they, you know, they're happy. Yeah, that's that's fair. I think it's totally neutered. It. I have yeah. not been able to watch it the last couple of years. It's not interesting. I, 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 I don't agree. know. I remember watching the. I know that he kind of goes on to cite the Mayhan and Dubuisson years as like down years, but I remember oh. those being exciting as hell. That golf course sucked ass, but uh, Jason Day and Dubuisson in that match that was awesome. I, yeah. I was there for that match, and I was running the PJ Tour Twitter Shut. Twitter account and uh, left my phone on one of the greens. Harrowing, harrowing day. It was very, very scary. Just left it like. Wide open PJ Tour Twitter account, just up for grabs. <laughs> I'm borrowing other people's cell phones to log in because I was supposed to be like live tweeting. It was a complete nightmare. I was probably scenario. making fun of like, why haven't they tweeted about this? <laughs> what the hell's going on there? No, so. but seeing those shots in person, that was like that was one of the coolest, uh, coolest live golf moments I've ever seen. And again, it comes down to like what I think 99% of this podcast is about is like, I get why it is the way it is, but it like, sucks. it sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. The, yeah, not a fan. I'm allowed to say that. So. Uh, well, to, it's so, match play week, so here we go. Well, to his question on what is the best format, I mean, it's really hard. I mean, I know that they've obviously been looking to tweak this and, and try new things, but to the earlier point on, you know, maybe if Wednesday's not easy enough, I mean, maybe it's just it gets cut down to a 16-player match play, and it's all kind of self-contained Friday through Sunday or something to make that first winner-go-home day a little bit more watchable for people. You know, some I, I don't know, something like that. I'm trying to... Not trying to think of another format. Cut off their heads. <laughs> no, I agree, but I, I'm saying if you cut off their heads on Wednesday morning, I get why that would be a tough thing. You know, people have jobs. We're we're not <laughs> we're not right. the only people that watch golf. Right. But again, I think it's more of like, oh, the guys traveled all the way here. Like that, you want to be done in one day. It's like, also one tournament. They do it yeah. once a year. Dude, exactly. I listen. I agree. You but know, we're like, Yo, we're not paying. Good, why do you home. love this format? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know, but to your point, like I did, this used to be like my favorite event. Yeah. And it's definitely not anymore, which is, is a bummer. Hmm. Golf course is sweet. Yeah. Uh, Austin is great, obviously, just wow. in general. I hope we see some party boats out there. That's always a great scene yeah. down there. I want to see some people hole. just getting jolly on the lake. or on, Is it the river or lake? It's a river. River, it's yeah. Good. You could have this TPC Sawgrass if you wanted it. it you could. Right there. Connect, All right, connect the waterways. Build the canals. <laughs> Putting a bow on this week, uh, I think, unless you guys have a lot more. I just want to give a shout out to Brian Stewart for going uh, birdie, octuple birdie finish mm. on uh, on Friday. I think that's, that's good stuff. Rare, the rare birdie, octuple birdie. <laughs> our guy Barry compared his shot tracker to Ursa Minor, which is <laughs> incredible stuff. Um, question from 13 Fetch. Have you watched all of season three of Drive to Survive yet? Only episode, episode four right now. Uh, I've Same. only watched the first one. I'm, uh, guys, I, I fell off. I had a tough time following last season. So I'm in that perfect position where I know all the characters and I kind of have a much better understanding of F1 now. But all of it's a surprise to me because yeah. I don't, you know, I'm not watching the drama that I watched unfold last season. So it's, yeah, God, that is, it's so good. It's, it's so good. It's such a good show. They do a really good job. So I was, after watching seasons one and two, I was afraid, a little afraid to get into Formula One to watch a race because I assumed like, I was like, all right, I like this little hyped version of it, yeah. but am I going to like watching a race? 
blown away by races. Incredible viewing experience. So now, huge race fan, of course, big time race fan. But I actually really do love Formula One. So now getting back into season three, I was kind of like, you know, thumbing my nose a little bit at it. Like, I mean, I know racing now. Like, I don't need to watch Drive to Survive. I watched the season. What do I need to see? And like immediately within three episodes, it was like totally drawn in. Even I appreciate the season, the series even more. Like, because it brought me in as somebody that knew absolutely nothing about it. And now that I know 10% about it, it has has me even yeah. more engaged. Like, it is truly for diehard uh, Formula One fans and just the most basic intro Formula One fans. It, yeah. Listen, I, I know, of course, this conversation is going to lead to the same place it always leads, which is <laughs> why the fuck does golf not have one of these things? And it, it is just context begets context, right? Where it's, you, you, the more context you have going into a race, the more you enjoy the race, the more you enjoy the race, the more you enjoy seeing more behind the scenes stuff about the race. And it just snowballs into making you a bigger and bigger fan of a sport that I hadn't ever thought about a year, you know, a year prior. So. And w- more content to come. A little playing through here. Uh, doing a little <laughs> trap draw F1 draft uh, and preview uh, next week. And also, if I may, we hinted at being at the Game Bridge a bunch. I think that's going to be the closest we can possibly come with a two and a half man crew for the week at doing our own kind of drive to survive. We did a uh, week in the life with Madeline Sagstrom. We followed her all the way from really Monday to Sunday. And, uh, just everything that goes into the week, hopefully a little bit of context and some behind the scenes stuff. So look, look forward to that, which very quick, I had this in my kind of notes, but going through that footage and just watching all the footage of her on the range, all the footage of her in player dining, of her doing media, of her putting, practicing, chipping, and then finally getting to the tournament and then finally seeing what happens in the actual tournament. The fact that Tiger made 142 straight cuts is the most unbelievable thing that that not nearly enough people that should be what we lead every episode with it's just you ever think about that man he went 142 straight times he did all that shit and he made the cut every single time it's it's crazy it is surely to be every bit as exciting as as drive to survive the sports are the exact same uh it, it, I, I do watch it, of course, through the lens of golf and wondering if it could be if it could be 10% as good as, as racing because obviously racing is just way more exciting than golf is. They're on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. But I do think there's obviously storylines there that could be followed and tracked and, and uncovered. 100%. Like, dude, just hearing her talk on the range about, you know, hey, I'm really worried about a left miss on Tuesday. And like, yeah, Spoiler alert, like there's a couple left misses in play, you know, throughout the tournament. It's like, it's just, that's minuscule example, but just hearing these guys say anything other, hearing them say anything outside of a press room is extremely captivating. Mm-hmm. And, and it can be seemingly very boring, nitty gritty golf stuff, but I promise it's it's really interesting and people will find it, you know, interesting to use that word again. At Shipman Carter asks, which team is the Finau slash Westwood of March Madness? <laughs> this is just a just a cold question. It's obviously Gonzaga, right? Yes. Close so many times. Incredible teams. Hell yeah. Never won the title, even though Finau's won one and Westwood's won two on the PGA Tour and many others in the European Tour, blah, blah, blah. Just get people off us. Uh, <laughs> it's obviously Gonzaga. I think that's the easy answer. That's a good answer. It's, it's, I, it's I would say, I'd also say a Bob Huggins coach team. Hey, Cincinnati, West Virginia. He's always got the talent. He's always highly rated. Uh, I was also thinking, back to Formula One, Alex Albon is female. 
no, so for, much for Red Bull. So much talent. At least so much like right now because he he keeps getting Lewis Hamilton just keeps blowing by him in the in the first few episodes. He keeps running into him. Yeah, but just he keeps he can't he just can't he can't close. I'd say I'd say they're they're on different ends of the talent spectrum. I think, but listen, I, I see where you're going there. Um, Deej, why don't you tell us about the ESP? You you kind of tipped us off on the ESPN Masters documentary. Which uh, yeah, I, I watched that today. It was just splendid. So I forget. Uh, I I know you had it written down the name of the production company that that made it. I want to say Bluefoot. That's uh, I think that's right. Uh, yeah. So the Masters, uh, kudos to them for having the foresight to do a little mini mini documentary, thirty minute piece on ESPN about uh, I believe it's called the one in November, and just kind of a time capsule. It's it's a little. Almost kind of arty, very like restrained. That's very, the word I was going to use. Very subdued, um, much like the Masters itself, I guess. And uh, just a, a very cool look at you know some of the changes that went into November. Some of the uh, it's just a real. I walked away from it feeling like it was just a very good, just a time capsule, right? And if you want to be a cynic, which <laughs> we very often are, uh, I'm not about this, but we very often are. I think the cynical version would say, of course, it's it's very hand jobby of Augusta National. It's very controlled. It's very state media. It's very making them look as you know as good as possible and highlighting their charitable initiatives and a lot of those things. But I, I also think it's it's one of those things that's so much better to have than not have. I think you know if this is made available or put on YouTube or whatever, going back and watching this in ten years is going to be absolutely wild. I mean, even like going and watching the first couple episodes of of Drive to Survive before you know the masks are in place and hearing everybody kind of talk about like, ooh, I don't know, you know, I hope no one tests positive, yada yada yeah. yada. It's like, whoa, that feels like it was a thousand years ago. And watching this Masters and you know seeing it with no fans and seeing some of the preparations and all that stuff, uh, way far removed, hopefully from everything we're going through now. I think we'll be. Uh, it's just a really, it's a cool piece. I'm, I'm glad they did it. I actually had a little different takeaway than the, the, the hand jobby part. I thought there was almost as close as we're going to get to like an admission of guilt in terms of the racial history of yeah, the club. Totally. And it was very clearly. <laughs> the problem is there's a lot of guilt. So there the is. People never, people can never square, you know, go ahead. I, I, Want to talk more about this too? Yeah, it was very clearly a promotional efforts for, or I guess promotional piece for their efforts in equality. That what they're doing for Payne College, Payne University. Sorry, I don't. Um, you know, basically starting the women's program there, historically black college, and all of which is awesome. It stuff is. It is, that, and yeah. it's. It, it, but they at least addressed like the you know some of the things that have happened in the past in terms and it included the question that they got at the press conference on like how comfortable are you with yeah. the diversity of the membership totally and really kind of gives a roundabout answer to it but it was it was interesting to at least steer into that to the point where it's like can no longer be ignored and it's time to make like very clearly their efforts are in response to uh, not in, I don't want to say in response to criticism but like in response to what they've done in the past and how they've been perceived and the reality of that situation and I find it interesting that they are. Um, I, I'm, I'm not surprised that they are congratulating themselves on this, but interesting in the transparency of like, yeah, there's been some things that have not been as we'd like to be known as for the time going forward. So. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting in that, you know, I feel like every, your, your spidey sense always goes off whenever Augusta is saying anything great about themselves because you instantly flash to a million horrifying stories that you've heard or the Billy Payne lecture or any any of that stuff. And I think where I've kind of got to, and this year was a big part of it, is like, dude, what, you know, 
what do you want these like current people? What else do you want these current people to do? The current kind of leadership of the club, right? And and they're clearly taking really big steps in in you know righting some of these wrongs. I don't think if you went around the clubhouse, I'm not sure that you'd find anybody who says like, no, I I don't know what you're talking about. We've totally nailed it over the history of yeah. of this place. And have they been quick to address some of those things? No, absolutely not. It's taken way, 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 way too long. But to Ridley's credit, I mean, a, a lot of the stuff that's mentioned in this documentary is really concrete, awesome steps, right? Uh, the ANWA, the the women's tournament, is a really concrete, awesome step towards making all of these things, you know, hopefully hopefully correcting some of the wrongs that, that their predecessors were responsible for. So I agree. I, I had the same takeaway that it was like, Yes, this is a lot of Augusta National, you know, here's what we're doing. But it also was like, well, what you're doing is pretty cool stuff. So good for you. It was just a cool peek behind the curtains, too, of like, I've always, I don't know, for a long time growing up as a kid, I imagined that basically it was a team of secret agents that put on this tournament <laughs> of like CIA agents in the trees and stuff. And it was just like, no, this dude's like training like the help the help staff for the locker room for right. the week, like these kids that come in and basically help out. And it, it's like very normal people that are doing these jobs and trimming the flowers and cutting the edges of the cups. And it was, I don't know, it was, and Scott Van Pelt's so good in it. Like he just like delivers lines. He's just a total pro. And it, it was very much, it made me remember the 2020 masters more fondly than I do actually watching the event. Yeah, thought, so. that's well said. One of the things I, I really, really loved, uh, I think it was Steve Ethan, the communications guy for Augusta that said it in the doc was, you know, everybody raves about what a great job the Masters does and, oh, the fan experience is so good and yada, yada, yada. He he crystallized that in a really great way where he said, I, I don't know if this is word for word, but he said, imagine if you had 51 weeks to plan your job for the year and you only had to execute your job for one week a year. It's like, that's why we're allowed to be. Yeah. Like, I would hope we'd be pretty, pretty good at that. <laughs> and that was I was like, wow, I never really thought about it that way. Any final shouts um, as we go to wrap this? I want to give a shout to John Wood, a fascinating little tidbit on the broadcast this afternoon. It was kind of a sleepy part of the broadcast, but when he was talking about Sam Ryder switching to a crosshand putting grip today uh, <laughs> after three rounds of the tournament and coming into the final round and switching from conventional putting grip to a crosshand grip, that's... Honeymoon phase. That's, <laughs> needed, needed, needed a spark. That's wild. Reminds me of... Uh, Friend of the program, Big Play Ray, uh, <laughs> trying to go stack and tilt for nine holes of an, of an eighteen of an eighteen hole round, uh, didn't go well. But uh, that that had to give a quick shout out to that. Don't hear that very much on the broadcast. Uh, I would give a shout out to young hitter Lauren Coughlin. Uh, T Co- check it out. It's Coughlin. Coughlin. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Lauren. No, I, she didn't correct me for like a year and a half. Lauren Coughlin. Until they finally, like, I met her dad, and he's like, hey, I'm, I'm Mr. Coughlin. I'm like, okay. is it Coughlin? <laughs> Are you sure? I've been saying Coughlin this whole time to your face. You caddied for her. I know. Well, T6 and her first event this year, uh, Symmetra Tour. I believe it was in at, at Arizona. Long, Longbow. That and, sounds right. Yeah, which I actually played a long time ago. Fun fun course. Anyway, uh, hope hope she keeps the uh, momentum rolling. Uh, that's good stuff. So. Great, great to see. I want to give a shout out to uh, to Neil for saving me from the pouch this week from our DraftKings picks. Uh, <laughs> I had my first 0 for 5 this week, and uh, Neil also had an 0 for 5 and has lower on the points rating, so he is in the pouch of misery again for our DraftKings picks this week. So thank you for your service for that. I'm, I'm, I'm Williams right now, just struggling. <laughs> I'm at the back of the grid. Every You're going to get a point. You're going to get a point sometime. 
So well, these other teams, they've just got they, such better they models. Have, you guys got a lot more money than me. You know, we're, we're, we've got the data golf premium. Got, you guys have so many more nuggets than me. I don't know what to do. You're, one of your racers is going to get a point racing for another team, like George Russell did with uh, with Mercedes. You need to hire some of these oligarchs kids. I do. I need to find. <laughs> Try to get you on the right. No, the I right might page. have to do some back channel and find some picks, or I might have to go with full Costanza this week. I don't know. We <laughs> gotta, that, just pick the opposite. Yeah, I'm gonna like make picks and then just like do cool total flip them. <laughs> <laughs> Like flip them, like everything, like try to find the opposite of whatever I'm picking. See if that helps. Is your only win for the season when you spread it out over no, the, the winning I've had, margin? I've okay. had two other wins. <laughs> the Mike and Drill, where he picked the Mike and Drill worked well. When I ar- arbitrage the, uh, it will be a playoff. It will be a one, one stroke. stroke. <laughs> it will be, be a two, two stroke. stroke. <laughs> that was pretty solid. All right. Well, thank you for distracting me from the WV loss tonight, uh, and so I didn't have to watch that. Um, and thank you, everyone, for your time and for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, yeah. that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything.